Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Four minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, my name is Mark Salem, and we're here for the next two hours talking about your car repair problems, and if you'd like to join us, all you have to do is call us, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. We know that we've got Lenny on the line already, so we're going to get to him right now. How's that? Lenny, good morning to you. For being first, we're going to not waste your time. How can I help you? Good morning, Mark. Thank you. Uh, I believe a couple of weeks ago, I, on your pro, I, I think I heard you say that normal operating temperature is, is 220. Did, did I hear you right? Yes, you did. Okay. Uh, that prompts me to wonder if my temperature is, was causing my low gas miles. I have a I have a regular gauge that shows cold on the left, hot on the right, and the needle right in the middle. And then there's also in the driver's information a digital readout, the actual temperature. And that varies okay. between 187 and 191. And what year is your car? An O2. 50,000 okay. miles on an O2. How does the heater work? Works fine. Okay, so you don't notice that it's not as hot as it used to be or anything like that? No, of course, you're right here you okay. don't use it very much. Okay, fair enough. Okay, and does it ever get? Um, I mean, let's let's go from half to three quarters. Is that the normal travel of the gauge? Is between half gauge and three quarters, or is it typically half gauge and less? Well, are you talking about the the, uh, the, the one gauge that's on the dashboard? A, okay, yes, sir. There's a needle right in the middle where it says normal. And, of course, that way the left is, is cold, the way the right is hot. And right in the middle is a needle there that says normal. That's where the needle stops at normal. But the driver's okay. information center says 187 to 191. Okay. And I replaced the thermostat. Well, you did replace the thermostat? Yes, sir. It called for a 15-pounder, but I couldn't get a 15, but it was a 16-pounder, so I put that in there. Okay, now um, w- let me let me a, a fourteen or fifteen pound. That's a radiator cap. Yes, radiator cap. That's what I meant to say. Radiator cap. No problem. Cap, okay. What... Okay. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a, that big of a deal going from a fourteen to a fifteen pound cap. Um, no, I went from fifteen but, to a sixteen. Sorry. Okay, a one pound upgrade isn't going to cause me any heartburn. Okay. But if your car had 150,000 miles on it, I would say to you, that might be a step backwards. But at 68,000 miles, I'm going to just live with that. Uh, although I, maybe you should change your shopping habits to somebody that has a more correct inventory because it is not within industry standards for a repair shop 
to change a parameter on an automobile for emissions reasons and a lot of other reasons. So, but that's quite different than the standards that apply to an auto parts store and, and their customer. As far as you're concerned, I would be concerned that the thermostats um, stuck open. Um, I would think that um, I would take the radiator cap off and I would start the car in the morning and I perhaps would have somebody help me and I would have them start the car and hold the idle up to about 1,200, 1,500 RPM. Now, the okay. water inside the neck of the radiator should ripple, just ripple. Right. It should not be okay. moving. And if it's moving, okay. then Mark has diagnosed the thermostat as being open, stuck open, and the water in your radiator comes from the top hose and it goes down the radiator because you have a cross-flow radiator, so the tubes go left to right. So it comes in the top hose. It comes from the motor out the top hose. It goes down the radiator. It drops its heat off, and then it gets sucked back into the motor. So if the radiator's cl or if the thermostat's closed, there is no flow through the radiator. So the vibrations of the engine will cause a ripple in the standing water, but not a flow. And okay. I, I wish you would have said that my car always operates between half and three quarters. And Mark, when it gets to three quarters, I pretty much know why it's getting to three quarters because I'm towing a trailer or I'm going to Flagstaff and it's in the middle of summertime and I'm climbing hills. So I'm not really worried about that because that's the area I want it to be. The downside is this. If the motor never reaches 212, then all the water it generates when you shut it off at night and it cools down never gets boiled out of the oil. And water and oil equals sludge. And sludge will kill that motor at 150 to 200,000 miles where it would otherwise live to, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand miles. Okay. Those are the issues. Okay, so I'll. I'll I'm going to follow your instructions and see if I can uh, get some uh, information by doing what you've uh, told me to do. It's just it's you strange. Can... I've replaced the plugs uh, about two years ago. replaced all the spark plugs. Okay. No, that that doesn't have anything to do with it. It, it. I'm concerned that it's running too cold, and you might even squeeze the upper radiator hose when you start it up and hold the idle up. Um, a, a good, experienced hand can feel flow through the upper radiator hose. Guys like me with gray hair that have been around for 30, 40 years, we, we know what to do. But but I think I've described it the very best I can without the benefit of visual aids that television would give me, just, you know, the difference between a ripple and a, and a movement of water or a flow. But I okay, would prefer cool. that your motor's running on your gauge. I would prefer your motor's running between the 215 mark and the 230 mark. That's what I would prefer. Well, there's, not, there's no marks on there. It's just cold or hot and needle, needle in the middle. But it's, it's the driver's information center where you have electronics read, read out. It shows 187 to 190. And I watch the various during the day, 187 up to 191, and it comes back down to 187. And that's the range it runs in, the driver's information center. Okay, I understand that. I understand that. Um, you're 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 moving the target on me here. Um, you're giving me the driver's information center, and I gave you numbers that apply to that. And then we talked okay. about the gauge, and I gave you an area on the gauge that applied to that. So I'm okay. trying to cover two bases, but we're we're kind of okay. moving around here. Once again, two two hundred. 215 to 230 on the driver's information panel and between half and three quarters on the gauge. And and that's okay. where you, you're best served to be. Now, if the car's running cold, then it's going to use more fuel. And that's because okay. the well, engine... 
Okay, and and once the car warms up, you're going to use less fuel. And so, if you disconnect the coolant sensor on that, then that that it'll read minus eighty degrees a Fahrenheit, and it'll think it's in Alaska in a really deep snowstorm, <laughs> and you'll guzzle fuel like there's yeah. no tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So, but that's that's it. Yeah. But thank you very much for calling, and thanks for being early. Thank you for your answer. I appreciate it, Mark. You Good betcha. Day. You betcha. All righty, 602-508-0960. Lines are wide open. There's five of them. Gil's here working. And uh, I'm not the only guy. Oh, well, and I'm going to get Brad in just a second. Brad, you hold on just a second because i got some business to take care of. Automatic Transmission Exchange has been in the Valley since 1968. He's located at 40th Street in Washington. He's, lo- he's open on Saturdays from 8 to 12. Why is that? Because if you take your car there and you can duplicate the problem, you have a vibration. You have a late shift, an early shift. Perhaps it skips from first to third gear. Maybe it shifts hard. Maybe it's shifting too soft. That's the time to take it by automatic transmission exchange. They'll drive the car with you. They'll talk to you. They'll run it through some tests that you're incapable of doing because you don't understand the tests nor the results of the test. But a good seasoned transmission guy can make that happen. So once again, 40th Street in Washington, north side of the road, automatic transmission exchange. Brad, good morning to you. How can I help you? Good morning, Mark. Hey, I called uh, last week concerning my 2007 Freightliner Sprinter, and uh, we yes. talked about the mass airflow sensor that I was getting a code on, and you said probably not the problem. So I took your advice. I went through all the duct work, and while I was doing that, I disconnected the, the battery and, the, of course, the mass airflow sensor. Now I got a new code that popped up, which is the Particulate Filter Restriction Hash Accumulation Bank 1. So I'm hey, assuming I'm that, yeah. Brad, hold, hold yes. on. I, need you, I just lost you for about three or four seconds. I just want you to back up. Kind. <clears throat> okay, on the mass airflow sensor, I took your advice last week and checked out all the duct work. And okay. uh, so while I did that, I disconnected the mass airflow sensor and the battery, negative battery cable, and when I checked everything out, everything looked good, put it back together, and now I have a new code that popped up, which is the particulate filter restriction ash accumulation bank one. Okay. It Typically, when you pull the negative cable off, you're erasing the memory on the computer. It's kind of like a boot. It's a control-alt-delete for your computer on your desk. So we kind of start all over. The particulate filter, this is a diesel, yes? Yes, it's a V6 3-liter. Okay. The particulate filter, I want you to pretend like that we're throwing a bunch of diesel soot into the exhaust, which is the truth. And the particulate filter's job is, is to take those solid pieces of carbon and reduce them to ash and blow them out the tailpipe. Now, I'm going to have a sensor in front and behind the scent of the the particulate filter now depending on the kind of vehicle it is it's either going to be a temperature sensor in the front and the back or it's going to be a pressure sensor in the front and the back it's so a pressure sensor okay so if the particulate p- filters plugged how does it know that the pressure is higher in the front and back yep Yep. Okay. Now, in your manual, there's a procedure to clean the filter. And it may be as ridiculous as get in the car, pack your lunch, and hold the RPMs up to 2,000 RPMs for 30 minutes. 
Right, so and I it's it, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I did do that because I I was doing some research on it on some uh, blog sites, and uh, they say uh, city driving. It's hard for that thing to regenerate in the city driving stop and go. So I did uh, take it out last weekend and ran it around the circle here on, on the 101. And I did not see a light come on that said regeneration going on. Um, however, I was wondering, is it could it be too plugged for a regeneration to take care of it? Not if you can go 75 miles an hour. And if you were over there in Scottsdale on the 101, they were pushing you along at 100. So <laughs> I would think no. <laughs> yeah, and, and last weekend I was doing uh, 75 miles an hour with it. You have to. Right. You have to. For whatever reason, from McKellops or the river all the way north to when the 101 turns to, uh, you know, east or westbound, um, you're you're taking your life in your hands if you're within 20 miles uh, of the speed limit. For whatever reason, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You'll think fun, all right. You'll think fun till five cars in front of you all of a sudden wad up and your your the seat covers in between the crack of your you know what as you pile into that five car accident and then you got fifteen airbags that blow off and now all of a sudden you've got a fifteen thousand dollar airbag bill and no one in front of you is gonna accept responsibility for causing that accident, but you're gonna get the ticket for piling in. And am I if I made myself clear, I think yeah, yeah, your, your seat cover is somewhere right now. <laughs> I know, no, you're right. You're, and I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you, Brad. Um, no, the answer is no. It's not plugged up because you okay. wouldn't be able to get any kind of speed out of it. Um, if you, I'm, I'm not quite sure driving it is what I like to do. I would much rather hold the idle up high. I'd much rather have it sit there and make doggone sure there's nothing that's going to be damaged by heat within 25 or 30 feet of the tailpipe of that thing because we had it next to a big old trash can, and when we started cleaning our particulate filters at the very beginning, we melted that 55-gallon plastic trash can down to about two and a half inches. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Um, it, One, and it's not going to – the particulate filter code's not going to go away um, right off the bat. It okay. may come back and go off. So it's not something you, once you do that, if it comes back on and stays on, then we have to do something different. But it's likely to come back on and quickly go off after it samples the pressure again. So I got to run. I got to run. But if you've got another question, Gil will check you and we'll hang on to you. We've got open line 602 508 We'll be back right after this. Hello. I'm Greg May, the proud owner of Phoenix Body Works. I started in 1982 and still love fixing mangled vehicles. I'm proud that for 32 years, my staff has been able to provide the finest collision repair service in the valley. Industry standards tell us how to fix your car, and we don't fudge that. Leave your worry and stress to us. It's what we do. When you have an accident, remember, the law states that you have the right to choose your collision repair shop. All our estimators and technicians are our car certified. We have all the necessary state-of-the-art equipment to fix your vehicle right. We welcome you to visit Phoenix Body Works anytime, even if you just need a bottle of water, a cup of coffee, a snack, or to use our Wi-Fi. Phoenix Body Works offers free shuttle service, or if you need a rental car, don't sweat it. Enterprise is right next door. At phxbodyworks.com, I will explain the entire collision repair process to you in two minutes. My name is Greg May, and I wrote this message. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? 
Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You wouldn't dive into a pool without knowing how deep it is. So why would you dig without knowing what's below? Underground utilities are buried all over Arizona. Accidentally strike one and you could be injured or wipe out services like water, power, and internet. Call 811 or click Arizona811.com to have utilities marked first. It's free, easy, and it's the law. Remember, call 811 or click Arizona811.com. Sponsored by Arizona 811 in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. Every child deserves to have access to books because children who grow up with books invariably do better in life than children who do not. How do I choose a book? Is it the cover? Uh, yeah, some, I guess, you know, it's sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual, so it's a combination of those two. The first book I remember was Captain's Courageous. When I finished that book, I had become so involved with these characters. So here's the thing. If a book's really, really impressing me and the writing is really, really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the ends, the endings of books, if it's really, really well done, that ending, that last thought should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress and the Ad Council. I started my adventure in the Air Force Reserve as a payload system operator. Flight medic in the Air Force Reserve. I'm a pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration team. We do a lot in a little bit of time, and we have to do it very efficiently. It's a very exciting career. The Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did. The training in the Air Force Reserve is second to none. The most exciting thing in the Air Force Reserve is to be able to travel. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. That was definitely a bonus. And the Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities, and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for spending your time with us. We've got two hours to go, so we're fine. Sitting next to me, I should have introduced her at the very beginning. Sitting next to me is my wife. Her name is Renee Wright Salem. And the reason why her name is Renee Wright Salem is because most of her vocabulary hinges around <laughs> you're not right or <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. See, there you there just you said go. it. There you just said it. That's right. I'm, That's right. I wish you'd learn that, though. You say it, but I'm not sure you believe it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not in the learning mood. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're too old. <laughs> you're too old for that. Yeah. Anyway, let's really quick tell you about um, Action Auto Repair. I get lots of calls, as you know, from all over the valley. But if they're anywhere near that I-17 corridor, I tell them I've got two of the best shops in town up there. But Action Auto certainly is one of them. He's at Deer Valley and I-17 northwest corner. Tom knows what he's doing. He's an honest guy. He's a dependable guy. I don't know if I've ever had a complaint that he didn't handle. As a matter of fact, he handled one, and he actually gave him more than I th- I thought he should have. Yeah. And he said to me, he was worth it. And well, I like good. the response. Yes, so absolutely. So Tom at Action Auto Repair, I-17 in Deer Valley, northwest corner, been around since 1983. Technicians are ASC master certified. And that means they know how to diagnose it, how to fix it, verify the repair, and bid it fairly. That's what it means. Okay, let's go back to Brad real quick. Brad, you had one quick question. What is it, buddy? Yeah, yeah it was the oil. I was reading that the recommended oil is the 229.51. And they say it's very important to run the low ash oil in those engines. Is that 
should I mean does that make a big difference? Well, I don't know what a 220.9 means. Or 229.51 it, it's a it's a uh, what is it called a, a class of oil that has to be um, run and it's it's the lowest ash oil that they okay. sell and they say I, I, that a higher ash oil will plug up those particulate filters quicker so I was just curious. Okay all right the question I'm going to change the question and Mark, in all the diesels you've ever serviced for the last 30-some-odd years, have you ever pointed to a part on a car, on a truck, on a diesel that said this was caused by ash or this is the byproducts of ash or any of that kind of stuff? And the answer is no. Mark, have you, in all the classes that you've ever been in with respect to gasoline motors, diesel motors, and all that kind of stuff, has ash ever popped up as being an issue, or have you seen anything in the millions of trade magazines that you've read over the last 30 years, and the answer is no. I think you use a good oil, you use the viscosity they call for, you change it based on the parameters, you check it every other time, you fill it with fuel, and I think you just go about your business. If they've got a problem with oil, then the question then becomes, wait a minute, you mean to tell me this new vehicle is going to consume oil enough to contaminate the particulate filter which comes out the exhaust? How is it that I like to buy this knowing full well that you're expecting me to send a significant amount of oil out the tailpipe because it's going to contaminate my particulate filter and that would chase me away from that car? So the answer is is no. Just move on and and do what you you're gonna do what you're doing. Got you where you're at, and if it's a success, you're home free. All Thanks, right, Steve, Mark. you're up next. Steve, you betcha. Steve, you're up next. How can I help you? Hey, Mark, how's it going? Um, Good. Just wanted to ask you a question. Uh, you and Alan have helped me on my '97 F250 way in the past with uh, modulars and handheld programmers and what have you, but. Because of the size of my fifth wheel, I finally stepped up and uh, and bought a dually, and I'm into a 2000 Ford F350 Super Duty Crew Cab, and the the vehicle has something that I've never dealt with before, and it's called a gear vendor, and I've okay. I've sent out for the operating manual on a gear vendor, and uh, and I've played around with it a little bit only with the with uh, with the truck only because I wasn't sure if I was supposed to engage that gear vendor when I'm towing 12,000 pounds. Well, that's exactly what it's there for. The gear vendor just adds you a couple of gears. So instead, just in a in simplistic sense, in, instead of having one, two, and three, now you have one, two, then you maybe you have two and a half, three, three and a half, and then four. Or it may split three and four in the middle, or it may add four and five on top of your one, two, and three. What a gear vendor is going to let you do, and you do do the test with your fifth wheel, it's going to allow you to pick a gear that allows your tachometer to be slightly below 2,000, which is the sweet spot for fuel economy, and still maintain some kind of semblance of power going up and down hills with your fifth wheel. You don't want to do 10 miles an hour, although every other Ford around you is doing 10 miles an hour. <laughs> so you don't want to do 10. You want to be up there, in the, depending on your total gross weight, 45 to 55 miles an hour, and depending on what, you know, like I say, gross weight, that's truck load, trailer load. But if it's full of water and there's quads in it and it's a toy hauler and blah, 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 then you start getting up close to the 30,000-pound mark and you say, okay, well, 
at that point I'm going to I'm only going to think I deserve 40. So the gear vendor just allows you to match your speed with an RPM. What you don't want to do is have a 3000 red line and be in the in a gear that's going to make the 3000 red line is 35 miles an hour or 45 miles an hour. I don't want that. I want to drop the RPMs, but I want to maintain the same speed. So a gear vendor just adds a couple of gears. It's a pretty nice thing, but it's going to take a little use to. And once you figure it out, you'll figure out if you have one, two, three, or you got one, two, two and a half, three, and three and a half. And it added two gears, and one of them's between two and three, and one of them is three and a half. That's how it works. Yeah. The only Alrighty. thing that I've tried. Yeah. The only thing I've tried on it right now is on the freeway. Um, in, in the stock mode, overdrive, 70 miles an hour, and have just engaged it, and it drops at around 800 RPM. That's the only thing I've tried. I haven't tried moving the shifter uh, uh, on the truck or disengaging overdrive on the shifter and playing with the gear vendor right now because I don't know that much about it, and I'm kind of scared. I don't want to break it. Okay. Well, first of all, when you're hauling, there's a good chance you're you're going to be canceling overdrive right off the bat because you're that that Ford. Well, that Ford, my Dodge, and on all the Duramaxes are going to have a tough time pulling a big old fifth wheel uh, with an overdrive. So when you when you start hunting, you're going up a hill and you're hunting. That's when you push the overdrive button first, and then after that, then you can push the tow haul button, and that'll even give you another gear. So if you have both of them, and I don't know what setup you've got, but just like you said, just keep playing with it. And the two issues okay. are speed and RPM. Those are the two big dogs. All right, when we come back, Gary and Scott and Bernard, I, I can't get you. I can't be fair to you because I'm, I'm 28 seconds away from my break. But please stay there because I'm going to get you just as quickly as I can. So Gary, Scott, and Bernard, stay there. Anybody else, 602-508-0960, do you want to give me a, a grade on my last performance? I've never heard of that, so I don't know if you're right or not. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is on tape, so I got, I think you're right. Go ahead and say it. I think you're right. No. Nope. Say it. Say it. Can't Come on. Do it. You Can't got, do okay. it. Okay. See you back. We'll be back in a minute. Did you know Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs? Andy Val, the dad, and his sons, Tom and Paul, operate Rain Tree Auto Body in North Scottsdale. They've been around since 1972. Sure, they fix Kias and Hondas and Chevys and Fords, but they are rated the best for their ability to correctly repair the Mercedes-Benz. Remember, Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs. They have a machine called the Select bench it's the same jig they assemble your car on rain tree can put your car back to its pre-loss condition with 100 accuracy rain tree auto repair is a bbb member with a plus rating and they're also recommended by garage fly rain tree auto repair provides free estimates and they'll give you a lifetime warranty on all paint and bodywork they use the best glass or paint and it's waterborne paint so it has no environmental effect for more information stop by rain tree auto body America is no accident. The American miracle rang loudly as President Trump took office. Restore its promise for all of our people. Ask Michael Medved. 
This was an act of providence. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. You'll get that chance as best-selling author and 960 The Patriot host Michael Medved comes to Phoenix March 29th for an exclusive private dinner event. Enjoy gourmet food, drinks, and pictures all provided while Michael speaks on the new Trump era and his new book, The American Miracle. Join Michael for this one-of-a-kind event with limited ticket availability March 29th at 6 p.m. Go to 960thepatriot.com for tickets and event information. I'll one-of-a-kind event you won't find anywhere else. One night only. The American Miracle. It's going to be only America first. 960thepatriot.com It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. If you listen to this radio station for 24 hours straight, you'd hear about a quarter of a million words. And thousands of those words every day come from listeners like you. No one values your opinion more than we do. And when you support our advertisers, you turn words into actions. We know you're not always going to agree with us, but we wouldn't be here without you. So we thank you for listening and supporting our advertisers. 960 The Patriot, a Salem Media Group station. Patriot app tip number four. Want your voice heard? Email or leave a voice message straight from your Patriot app. Just open it up, click the upper left-hand corner, and select email or talk back. Download the Patriot app at your app store today. Become a fan of 960 The Patriot on Facebook or follow us on Twitter today. Just go to 960thepatriot.com for more information. Welcome back, everybody. 34 minutes after the hour. My name is Mark Salem. 34 minutes after the hour, I said... And we're going to tell you real quick about Air Park Auto. Why is Air Park Auto on Mark Salem's list of best car repair shops in the Valley? It's because Nadine and Stacy opened up a long time ago in 1985. Stacy passed away a couple years ago, and Nadine has continued to run an auto repair shop. That's pretty special. That takes a special kind of lady and a sturdy kind of lady, especially when you're surrounded with a bunch of hairy-chested technicians who think that they know more than any woman on the world in the world. However, you don't need to worry about that. North Scottsdale, if you live in North Scottsdale, if you live anywhere kind of north of McCormick or actually Indian Bend, all the way up to the northern part of south of Cave Creek from 56th Street to Fountain Hills, there's one shop that I recommend. That's Air Park Auto Service. She's on Green Green Tree? Is it Green Tree? Green, green Tree. Yeah, Green Tree, um, just east of Hayden Road just east of Hayden Road, and you can get by and you can stop by anytime you want. Let's go to the phones. Gary, you're up next. How can I help you? 
Uh, would you educate me a little bit on the necessity or what happens if somebody tells you that your motor mounts need to be changed? I've never had that before. Okay. The very first thing you do is you look him in the eye and you say, Hey, buckaroo, what kind of symptoms do I have today that indicate I need motor mounts? That's the first yeah. thing you do. Yeah, and that, that and it just happened in an oil change. I was in a. Belgian of course, oil that change. always happens in an oil change, and, and our industry is suffering right now. I mean, everybody is down twenty-five to fifty percent for whatever reason. There's lots of new cars out there, and everybody. Let me answer your question specifically. There are two predominant symptoms when you have a bad motor mount. Number one, you're in drive, you're stopped, and there's a vibration there that goes away when you put it in neutral or when you put it in reverse. And that's symptom number one. Symptom number two is when you accelerate hard, there's a double clunk. You accelerate hard and it goes clunk, clunk. That's a broken motor mount, and the other one's a collapsed motor mount. If you don't have either one of those symptoms, then I would suggest that you pass on the op opportunity. How many miles are on your car? Uh, 91,000. It's a 2001. Okay. And did they offer you any symptoms? Because real shops do this. Hey, Gary, just got done with your oil change and just happened when we backed it out that it's got a little bit of vibration. Can I have you come over here real quick and I just kind of want to show you. Now sit in there in the driver's seat, Gary. And I want you to put it in drive. Now just close your eyes. Do you kind of feel that vibration? Now I'm going to reach across the front of you, Gary, and I'm going to pop that shifter in neutral. Keep your eyes closed, Gary. Keep your eyes. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Now did the vibration stay there or go away, Gary? Okay, now watch. I'm going to put it in reverse. All right. Now you felt it kind of go into reverse. Is that vibration there? Okay, good. Well, Gary, just like I said, when it's in drive, I got that vibration. That's the back mount on your front wheel drive, the one underneath the windshield. Um, it needs to be replaced. You can do one. You can do both of them on that side, or you can do all four, whatever you want. If you decide you want to fix that vibration, give me a call, and I'll give you an estimate. Uh, what does okay. you sound like? Um, I haven't had any of those symptoms, but, but, after, but I have noticed something that I'm wondering if it led to that, and that is when I accelerate, uh, going on the freeway and I want to pass somebody or, or coming out of park, when I accelerate, it, the, the car kind of shakes a little and the foot feet moves a little bit for a little bit. Uh, I have no, no I, idea if that's I, connected to motor mounts or struts or nothing. No, you can have somebody just go drive it with you and you can manually shift it and see if that if that goes away. But it's not uncommon. Um, what kind of car is it real quick? It's a Buick Sabre. Okay, so it's a front-wheel drive. Yep. And does the steering wheel itself move left and right? No. Okay. No. Um, so. I'm not quite sure that wide open throttle is a good place, but again, on a wide open throttle, getting on the freeway, my wife's late for her appointment for her fingernails, um, and, <laughs> and I'm throttling it up hard, the motor's going to lift up, and then as soon as you back off and you get to the bottom of the ramp so you can merge into traffic, unless, of course, you're on the 101, then at that point, as soon as you throttle up, it's going to lift up, and when you back off the throttle, the motor's going to slam down. So it doesn't have anything to do with what you're talking about. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That's, that's really what I needed. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good luck to you, Gary. Thank you very much. Scott, you're up next. How can I help you? I'm doing good. Good morning to you. Um, thank you. Uh, hey, I am replacing... Uh, the idler pulley on my wife's 08 Chevy Malibu. And um, 
I got an aftermarket. It's a, uh, from my understanding, it's a gate. So what I'm, my question is, is that once I tighten that thing down, I took the original one off. It had two dust covers, one in the front and one in the rear. Once I put the bolt through each dust cover and I bolt it on to the to the block, it it just seizes up. It doesn't really want to free spin like it should. Okay. Um, and that's baffling I, the heck out of me. Okay. Well, I, I think what you need to do is you need to determine which one of those dust covers or take them off one at a time. Maybe take the basket one off and plug it back in, bolt it back up, and see if it will run free. However... Not only must it run free, but it must run in alignment with the rest of the pulleys. So we can't afford to take something off of it that's going to move the pulley forward or backwards from where it should be, which will then cause the belt to wear abnormally and cause you lots of problems. Right. I so it's easy for someone to say that this is made by Gates, but Gates ma makes belts. Yeah. And, and was yeah. it in a Gates box? It was in a Gates box. I'm looking at it right now. So. Okay. I, I'm I'm not familiar with that brand. I'm familiar with Gates belts and hoses, but I'm not familiar with that brand. It's not a brand I sell, so I can't really speak to that. But this is exactly the YouTube guru kind of thing that happens every day in my life, <laughs> and it's difficult because because I, I, I've never been there because I don't do what you do. I, I want as close to an OEM part as I get, although I'm not going to buy that from the car dealership, right, but I'm right. smart enough to know that my vendor has an, an A, B, C, D, E, F, G kind of part, and I'm only interested in the A's and the B's. Right. So right. Um, I, I think I think what you could do is just pull your dust covers off one at a time and see if you can get it. Then you got to put a ruler across the front of it or an old wooden yardstick and make sure that's still aligned good. Right. You could do that, or you could box it back up and take it to them and say to them, unless you can explain the proper installation that I haven't already covered, then I want to trade this in and try another brand. Right. And instead and, of the C brand, I want to get the B brand or the A brand. And, you know, it's kind of funny now that uh, I'm looking at both sides of these pulleys. They're identical except on the front I have a, a coned-shaped silver tin-type uh, dust cover that fits over the original. But the new one isn't as coned shape. It's more kind of squared off instead of coned. And uh, maybe it's binding up on the front dust cover instead of the rear. Sure, sure. I, I, that's why I say if you've got two dust covers, you don't need that. Do but, I even um, need any yeah, of them? Um, I think they're protecting the bearing from dirt and grease and maybe hot water when you blow the upper radiator hose or stuff like that. Yeah, cause there's going to be some kind of a dust cover on that bearing that's going to work very hard for you. Yeah, so we want to protect it the best we can. There's and there's no sense in protecting the back of it because the back of it's not really exposed to the, the fan yeah. and to all the stuff that's coming through the radiator. So, Even All right, i got to run. But get stuck. Scott, thank you very much. And if you're successful in fixing that, get back with us and let us know so we can learn with you. Bernard, stay right there. Lee, stay right there. We'll be right back right after this. Hello, I'm Greg May, the proud owner of Phoenix Body Works. I started in 1982 and still love fixing mangled vehicles. I'm proud that for 32 years, my staff has been able to provide the finest collision repair service in the valley. Industry standards tell us how to fix your car, and we don't fudge that. Leave your worry and stress to us. It's what we do. When you have an accident, remember, the law states that you have the right to choose your collision repair shop. All our estimators and technicians are our car certified, we have all the necessary state-of-the-art equipment to fix your vehicle right. 
We welcome you to visit Phoenix Body Works anytime, even if you just need a bottle of water, a cup of coffee, a snack, or to use our Wi-Fi. Phoenix Body Works offers free shuttle service, or if you need a rental car, don't sweat it. Enterprise is right next door. At phxbodyworks.com, I will explain the entire collision repair process to you in two minutes. My name is Greg May, and I wrote this message. If you're over 50 and concerned about any of the following, stay tuned for an exclusive free bottle offer. Are you concerned about your heart health? Are you interested in healthy brain function? What about joint comfort and energy? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, we want to send you a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus now with CoQ10. Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 combines krill oil with fish oil in one tiny pill. And this little pill delivers big health benefits to your heart, your joints, your arteries, and brain. And with CoQ10, you'll enjoy extra energy too. Best of all, you can get a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 today. Just pay for shipping. Call right now and request your free bottle. Dial 1-800-679-5745. That's 1-800-679-5745. 1-800-679-5745. Again, call now. 1-800-679-5745. 745. Welcome back, everybody. 44 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. We're going to go for another hour after this. We're going to go till straight up noontime, actually 11.58.58 or something like that. Nevertheless, we've got Bernard, Lee, and Len on the line. We've got two open, 602-508-0960. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Thompson's Auto Repair and Towing. Brad and Thelma and their family has been around Mesa fixing cars since 1970. If you'd get the chance to stop by Thompson's Auto Repair, and they're on Main Street just east of Stapley and Mesa, you'll get to meet Brian or Thelma, and they're really good people. You only have to meet them once to know that that's exactly the kind of people you want working on your cars. They've been around a long time. They know the difference between right and wrong. They have really good technicians. Brian knows right from wrong. And Thelma knows when Brian's right and wrong. So just like a, you and me, right? Just like you and I. That's right. So if you're in Mesa, the only shop I recommend is Thompson's Auto Repair on Main Street, just east of Stapley. Bernard, good morning to you. How can I help you? Good morning, Mark. I live for this show every Saturday morning. Uh, Thank you, sir. I study a 2000 Oldsmobile Alero, and I was under the hood last weekend, and on my coolant surge tank in the uh, in the in the air part on the top, all uh-huh. around the edges, I I got some uh, sludge, some black sludge. Uh, first time I've seen it. And uh, what is it? What do I do about it? How do I check this out? I need to know if it's water soluble. So you you have to get a coat hanger and. Or a screwdriver, and, or stick your fingers in there and grab a hold of some of that black sludge. And I, I need you to go over to, to preferably to the sink that your wife um, rinses off her vegetables in. And uh, <laughs> not the kitchen sink, and the okay, kitchen like sink. Mark would. <laughs> and, and and just rub it with your fingers and look for the beading of water that tells us it's a petroleum product. I've so stuck we, my finger into it, you know, I rubbed it, it, it's very sticky, very nasty, uh, I even get a hint of uh, uh, glint in the sunshine. Okay, so, so it doesn't so feel like it's any kind of a petroleum product, right? I'm sorry? 
it doesn't feel like it's any kind of a petroleum product, right? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it could, I was thinking that's the only thing it could be. Well, here's the problem. It, there's there's way too many options and you have to take a sample of it because if it's water soluble and if it's just the junk out of your cooling system you're going to put it under the water it's going to rinse right off your fingers and we're done uh-huh. but if it's if it's black because you have oil leaking into the cooling system then when you put some on your fingers and you rent, you go to the sink and you rinse it off with water it's going to leave an oily film on there and there's nothing that should be oily about your coolant. So we need to, that's step one, is is this a petroleum product or not? And and step two is, is if we determine it's oil, then you've got a big problem. And right. the only way that oil's going to get inside your cooling system is somewhere along the line, we've got a crossover. Now, the oil is under pressure higher than the cooling system. So your cooling system runs at 13, 14 pounds, and the oil pressure is clearly above that. So if you have a breach in the dam between coolant and oil, the oil wins. The oil's going to spray into the cooling system. However, if this is not a petroleum product, then I would say to you, disconnect the hose from the radiator, pull that bottle out, wash it up with soap and water, use your wife's dish towel like I do, because that's <laughs> a great thing to do, yeah. and clean it up real good. Go get you a gallon of 50-50 coolant that matches the color that's already there, whether it's green or red or amber color or pink or blue raise it up to the cold mark and let's move on that's what i would do oh okay great because there is nothing floating in that coolant i'm looking at it right now and i got some of this junk on my finger so uh i'll clean this thing out and see what happens and try and do it all over again another thing too is is you squeeze the upper hose real quick and if it's real enough soft and pliable and cold then i want you to take the radiator cap off and i want you to flip the radiator cap over and see if you see that same trash on the bottom of the radiator cap. Okay, this is a uh, pressurized surge tank. There's no radiator cap on this thing. Okay, so on the bottom of the pressurized surge tank, do you see that same kind of black stuff, or is it only a bathtub ring around the surge tank? It's on the top of the surge tank. There's nothing down there on the bottom that I can see. Okay, just wash up the surge tank and you should just be fine. Excellent. It's, I'm not going to worry about. I'm not going to worry about where it comes from. You can send it out for scientific analysis, but it's entirely possible that uh, it's just some byproduct of whatever coolant it had in it last, or or maybe we've got a little bit of uh, of you know trash coming out of the uh, of the uh, the cast iron block or something like that. So it's in the absence of any other symptoms, let's rinse it out, keep an eye on it. But that's not wouldn't prevent me from going to you if you invited me to go to Denver, Colorado. Yeah, I'd have my uh, now I'd have my towing card in my pocket. Though, you know. <laughs> anyway, Bernard, thank you very much, buddy. <laughs> and I'll I'll see you next Saturday. Lee, you're up next. How can I help you, Lee? Hi, Mark. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You bet. I've got a my uh, problem is a Lean Bank One code, and it's okay. on an 07 Saturn View with a 2.2 Echo Tech. Okay. And give you a little history, we purchased the car with the code. First thing we did was checked for vacuum leaks using carb cleaner and didn't find any. Then we changed both of the O2 sensors fore and aft. And in between all of this, the alternator went out. So then we changed the alternator. 
um, coach uh, came back again, and so we decided to check. Founded at 25. Wait a minute. Um, say that again. You're breaking up. Get to the so so we checked the fuel pressure. Okay. And it was at 25 psi. Okay. So we decided to change the fuel fuel pump in the tank and change that, and it came back to 50 psi. But uh, code. Okay. Well, it, it, we're we're losing you because you're on Bluetooth or something like that. Um, and I can't really take the time for you to go through all of these steps because you are just in never, never land. What you're doing is not what anybody else done is doing. What you're doing is not is not relevant to the code. Um, you've already replaced a whole bunch of parts that spent a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> uh, that that didn't need to be replaced most likely. And and then when you got to the point you got 25 pounds of fuel pressure. And, and you decided to replace the pump. One of the biggest problems on a lean code, but you say bank one, and there's going to be bank two, and it's not likely to just be bank one. It's likely to be both banks if it's low fuel pressure. It would be affecting both banks. Or if the fuel... Okay. At... <laughs> All right. I, I, I can't really explain. Um, I wouldn't have done it your way. Okay. Um, I think you've already spent far more money than anybody would have charged you to diagnose it. Um, it's admirable that you use carburetor spray, but you didn't check the EGR valve, and you don't even know how to check the EGR valve. And we when you replaced looked that. Yeah, scan, I, forgot, I forgot to tell you okay, we replaced the EGR valve. That, that's another 35 to $75 that you probably wasted. Right. The, the idea is, is I can't fix your car on the radio. But I can tell you that I would have plugged a scanner into there, and I would have opened and closed the EGR valve and watched the settings. I would have made it run rich or lean and watched the front and the back O2 sensor. And I would have, when I made it run lean, I would have wanted them to see lean. And if I made it run rich, I would have wanted them to scream rich. And so as far as the fuel pressure is concerned, I have serious doubts that something – I've never seen a car with a 50-pound um, – pressure reading run on a 25 pound limit i've never seen that we lose 10 15 pounds off the top end and the car doesn't run the car won't go past 17 miles an hour so i'm wondering if there's a fuel pressure regulator problem but if there's a fuel pressure regulator problem that would create a tremendous rich condition and you're telling me you've got a lean back one problem so there's really nothing that matches here there's nothing so again I suggest that you find somebody and you go in and you tell them, I and, and I would clear the computer and let the code come back and then take it into the shop because the shop's not, they're going to open up the hood and see all those new parts. They already know what the situation is. But the fact of the matter is, is the lean code, you have to determine why the computer's seeing the lean code. And it could be very well that the map sensor, the mass airflow sensor's got a problem. It could very well be a, a vacuum leak behind the dash. And you're not squirting carburetor cleaner underneath there. So we have all these other ancillary stuff that, um, that you know, I hope you didn't pull off YouTube because that's where most everybody gets into this deep, dark hole that you're in. And, and you can continue on by replacing the catalytic converter. You can go the mass airflow sensor or the map, whichever it has to happen. Then you might want to replace the coolant sensor. And then from there, then maybe we start pulling manifolds off of it. I mean, that's just... 
it's just it's just not good. It's just not good. I can probably promise you that your diagnostic fee at the shop's going to be no less than 85, no more than a buck and a quarter. And so I would suggest that you do that. Now you can look them in the eye and you say to them, I'm going to go home and, and replace this with a known good part or with a new part that has a name proudly on the box. Um, I want your assurance that once I replace this part that this light's going to go away. And it's okay to do that. Um, if they're going to sit down hard on their diagnosis, I'm going to look at you and say, it's okay, Lee. I got your back. And so you go home and replace what I told you to replace, clear your computer, and within probably 30 days you'll find out that you don't have the code, it's not back, and so forth and so on. So, Lee, let me ask you a question. Did you get a lot of guidance from the guy at the auto parts store on this? No, no. Uh, this is actually my son's car, and he uh, he's going to fix it and sell it. He puts his way through college. So, um, and some of the parts, you know, we've uh, we've got it to use. We swapped out some of the parts. Um, so, and and yeah. I got to be honest with you. Well, let's let's just not go there. Anyways. There, uh, yeah. I appreciate the information. Okay. There was one other thing it was doing. It was doing rhythmic surging last night, 500 to 1,000 RPM consistently. Sure. Uh, Can't diagnose that, it with that either. I mean, that could that shows a leak kind of condition or it could easily be a, an injector problem. And the idea that you're going to swap known good parts or put used parts on or something like that is you've taken a one-step backwards step when you start putting fuel pumps in it without replacing the fuel um, filter first. You didn't know how to deadhead the pump to see if it was capable of 50 pounds, so you may have replaced the pump unnecessarily. When you put used parts in it or you put known good parts or you borrow it off somebody else's car, that's a bad idea because the VIN number tells you if that part's compatible with the other part. And then as far as the surging idle is concerned is, is you have to pick which one you want to fix. So either you go after the surging idle, which may fix your bank lean, or you do the the code and it may fix your surging idle, but you're not going to change both of those at the same time. Len, good morning to you. How can I help you this morning? Uh, good morning, Mark. 2006 Dodge Durango two-wheel drive V6. Uh, shifter stuck in park won't move. No brake lights. I had a brake light fuse blown, which I replaced. Still no brake lights. Any ideas? Yeah. There's going to be a, a – you're going to look in your owner's manual and your shift interlocker is, is locked, and it's because yeah. it doesn't see something. So in your owner's manual, it's going to tell you that there's a little hole here, and you stick your key in this little hole, and you push real hard, and then the shifter will unlock, or it'll say, tune in to 9.60 a.m. and turn your speakers up all the way, and it'll unlock. But it's going to have some <laughs> funky thing in your owner's manual that in case you're stuck in Benson, Arizona on a Sunday night and you can't get it out of park, your owner's manual will tell you how to get it out of park and get the heck out of where you're at. So okay. once you do that, then you'll, you'll have to diagnose it. And if that's the case, it could easily be the brake light switch itself. But I don't want you to replace that because Mark Salem on the radio diagnosed it. I want you to have somebody at least help you diagnose it. But the absence of brake lights kind of tells me I'm leaning that away. So anyway, Len, if you've got another question, hang on, but i got to take a break. Anybody else? The lines are wide open, 602-508-0960. And sitting to my left is Mrs. Wright, and she's filtering all my answers. <laughs> 